1: This is Religion Today with Martin Tanner, a weekly look at religion and spirituality here at home and around the world. Now, here's your host, Martin Tanner. Welcome. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. Today, another in our series about the New Testament. This time, I wanted to supplement the information that we've discussed earlier about the books in the New Testament and their order, with some additional information about the actual name of the New Testament books, which is the New Testament, and how did that name come to describe them. If you were to write a list of the Christian denominations today, you would have the Catholic Church which considers itself the oldest, and probably rightly so. It traces its history back to Rome, and Catholic means universal. That's how the Catholic Church views itself, as the universal church from the beginning. The first split-off was the Orthodox faith. Orthodox means right or correct, and of course the Orthodox faith saw the Catholic Church as moving off path, and so it considered itself as the one that stayed correct or orthodox. From there, you go on quite a while until the Protestant faiths begin to emerge. That group, of course, comes from the word to protest or to set themselves against the Catholic faith. The Protestant movement was brought about mainly by martin luther and of course the earliest and oldest of the protestant faiths lutheranism came from martin luther hence its name you also from there come to a number of other christian protestant faiths, the baptists deriving their name from a certain mode of baptism and the presbyterians discussing in its title the way that they preach the gospel, and so forth. You could talk about many different ways the names of denominations came about. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is somewhat different because it considers itself a restoration of the ancient Church of Jesus Christ, and its members are Latter-day Saints, in contrast to the saints in the earliest days of Christianity. So, if you went back in time, what did the early Christians call their church? Did they call it the Church of Christ? Nope, That was a title that was brought about by outsiders to describe the followers of Jesus. If you could magically go back in time and talk to an early Christian, they would say, if you said, what religious group do you belong to? They would say, oh, I belong to the New Covenant. And that would be referring to the promise of the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. Or they might also say, I belong to the way, meaning the way of Jesus Christ, the way that he taught. So early Christians held themselves out, not to be Christians, but of the New Covenant, or of the New Way. And that description is actually the name that we now have for the New Testament books. Because due to an unfortunate and not-so-great translation of New Covenant into English, we have it as New Testament. The correct title of our New Testament book should be New Covenant, and the correct title of the Old Testament book should be Old Covenant. But be that as it may, that's the origin of the name of the books which comprise together the New Testament. We now have 27 documents, but that group varied considerably, especially before they were assembled together. They originally circulated as books on Papyrus scrolls, or for the very, very smallest or shortest ones, 2nd and 3rd John and Philemon and Jude, they were on a single papyrus square. These papyrus squares were made from reeds that grew in rivers. Papyrus plants, these these papyrus reeds, were harvested and cut into lengths. The stems were about 18 inches or so long. They were flattened out, left to dry, and then you'd put glue all over them. Horizontal strips were laid on top of vertical strips, and then they were compressed until the glue dried. Then the edges were trimmed, so you had this nice little 18-inch square, something close to that. And a series of these squares sewn together at the ends, rolled up, became a papyrus roll or scroll, as we now call them. And those scrolls are what comprised the New Covenant for several centuries. There was no New Testament book as a whole until the advent of books. Actual books, it didn't happen for several centuries after early Christianity, and they were thin, usually written on vellum, which is a thin animal skin, although some were written on papyrus and were much thicker. The earliest, large, beautiful existing copies that we still have of the New Testament were written on vellum, thin animal skins, Codex Sinaiticus, Vaticanus, and Alexandrinus. These are just exquisite writings in the New Testament. Uh, Testament and of the Bible, and incidentally, they date to the 4th century, 325, 340, 350-ish. We don't know the exact dates, but these writings, fascinatingly enough, do not have—there's not one of them that has the same number of New Testament or Old Testament books that we have today. So, let's jump into— The earliest books. We've mentioned before in the past that the earliest writings were no doubt the writings of Paul for a number of different reasons. We believe that to be true. Let's talk some more today about the Gospels. Which Gospel was written first is almost universally believed to be the Gospel of Mark, and there's a reason for that. It was one that was in its earliest manuscripts held in Rome, and Rome was the principal location of the church. The Church of Rome came to be known as the most important one or the authoritative one or the head of the Christian church because, according to tradition, that's where Peter, the chief apostle, resided. And so... Mark, the Gospel of Mark, being the one that was revered in Rome, became the revered earliest gospel. And the belief about its origins is quite fascinating. There are a number of reasons why it's almost universally accepted that Mark is first. And here are some of those reasons. The most important one is that Almost every single word that we have in Mark is found in Matthew and Luke, but Matthew adds more items, and Luke adds more items. And what are those additional items? Well, Matthew has the teachings of Jesus. We have the parables in Luke. And so those additional pieces of information were, of course, deemed to be very very important we have some ideas about why luke wrote his gospel and about where the gospel of matthew came from and when we come back from our break we'll talk a bit about that if you have a question or comment about this show or any other show if you have a new testament question or another christian or gospel question feel free to send me an email. Send it to Tanner at gmail.com, martinstanner at gmail.com, and I will be happy to respond. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this.
0: A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles, yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Religion Today with Martin Tanner continues on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We're back. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. We're talking about the origin of the New Testament and why its books were written. And we're about to jump into the Gospel of Mark and Luke and specifically where they came from. The reason we know Mark is first is because almost word for word, everything in it, well over 90%, is found in Matthew and Luke. And that means that Matthew and Luke took the Gospel of Mark, and as they copied it, they inserted additional information that was useful. Specifically, Matthew added the teachings of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, and so forth. And Luke included the parables, the specific kinds of teachings. So, from there, let's talk a bit about some additional information that we have about why they were written. Luke, in the opening verses, has, and this is a paraphrase, but, but this is what Luke says in the first few verses of chapter 1, quote, "...inasmuch as many have attempted to draw up a statement concerning the facts which have been accomplished among us just as as they have been transmitted to us by those who were the primary witnesses and servants of the message, it seemed good to me also, after I had traced all things carefully from the start, to write them for you consecutively. Honored Theophilus. So here's who he's writing to, someone named Theophilus. So that you might know, The certainty about those matters in which you were instructed. And if you go on to the book of Acts, Luke follows up and he's writing a second letter to Theophilus. This statement about consecutively is fascinating because Luke reorders some of the information in the book of Mark, which he's using as a model. And in a minute, I'll discuss why that is almost certainly the case. We also know from the opening statement here in Luke that there were eyewitnesses who were in the church who were talking about the things that Jesus said and did. Those would have been the apostles and others who heard and saw Jesus teach, perform miracles, and do many, many things other things. And so Luke says there have been many who have attempted to write down all of these things. There were apparently a number of other Gospels. Many means probably more than two, probably even more than three or four. But what does Luke do? He's gathering together the things that are true, and he's working as best he can from the eyewitnesses that are there and from the information at hand, to write a consecutive order of the life of Jesus. So if you want to look for the exact order of things, you're more likely to find it in Luke. If you're looking for something else, maybe you'll find it in Matthew, if you're looking specifically for the teachings of Jesus, for example. Or if you want to know what the Apostle Peter thought about Jesus. Mark is the gospel for you. Let's talk a bit about Mark. The gospel of Mark is the oldest gospel, and it was used by Matthew and Luke, and I've mentioned a number of ways why we can do that. There's another way that we know that Mark was first, and that is that Mark talks about Jesus in a very human way. He describes Jesus sometimes as angry or as indignant. And he quotes in Mark chapter 10, verse 18, saying, Why do you call me good? None's, no person is good. No man is good but God alone. And then he talks about Nazareth, where Jesus could not do any mighty works because of the people's unbelief. You can read about that in Mark 6, in verses 5 and 6. It's important to note, if you take a quick look and a careful look at Matthew, that these kinds of statements about Jesus that are expressed in a very human way are kind of toned down. Matthew says that Jesus would not perform miracles. Now, it doesn't matter to me which way it was if Jesus couldn't or decided not to— The point is that the most human view of Jesus, and hence almost certainly the earliest, is the one in Mark. No one is going to take the Matthew version that says Jesus decided not to perform miracles and then change it and write the Gospel of Mark and say, well, he couldn't do it. That would not happen, but the reverse is very, very likely to be true that Jesus— wouldn't perform miracles as something that was uh, toned down from the idea in Mark that he could not. So we know in Mark that we have this idea of Jesus as closer to a human figure and less of of, of more of a supernatural kind of a person. And where did all this come from? We know that according to early Christian tradition— that Matthew was written by a young man. And it was written by a young man according to what he heard from the Apostle Paul. And we know from early Christian church leaders that everything that Mark wrote was true, but it was out of order. Some of the things that were written in the book of Mark weren't sequentially correct. Hence, we have according to early church tradition and according to the beginning of the book of Luke, this statement about Luke fixing the sequence of events. The other comment about Mark that we have that's really fascinating and that's often not brought up, but but I'd like to discuss it briefly, is that we don't have an ending to the book of Mark that is early. What happens is that as you read through the earliest known, the earliest known accounts and uh, uh, manuscripts of the book of Mark, they end in mid-sentence. Our last 12 verses of Mark, the way we have it today, chapter 16, verses 9 through 20, are found in no early manuscripts. The earliest one ends in verse 8, and the word is sort of, like indeed or and however, that's not the way you end a sentence in Greek. And so we know that probably the last piece of the Gospel of Mark, the the last papyrus square, was lost. And after that, in the second and third centuries, there were additional endings that were placed on the Gospel of Mark to make it more complete. Some of those are short, some of those are much, much longer, and they were intended to be accurate and just to complete the story. The Gospel of Mark should be considered the Gospel of Peter, because according to early Christian tradition, Peter talked for years while he had Mark as his missionary companion about Jesus and the experiences that he had. We know this from an early Christian church father named Papias. He wrote it about 140 AD, and this is what he says about the Gospel of Mark. Quote, and Peter spoke to him as follows. Mark, who had become the interpreter of Peter, wrote accurately, but not in order, all that he remembered concerning the Lord's sayings and doings. For he did not hear the Lord or accompany him as Peter had, but was later, as I said, a companion of Peter, who offered his instructions as the occasion required, without attempting to frame an ordered account of the Lord's sayings. So Mark made no mistake when he wrote some of the things as he recalled them, For his intent was with one aim, not to leave out anything that he had heard from Peter. That's what Papaya said. And those were the beliefs of the earliest Christians about the origin of the Gospel of Mark. Join me again next week. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today.
0: A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon.